thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. So I'd like to encourage you through the Word of the Lord this morning. Uh, Acts chapter 13, verses 13 through 43. Uh, this is essentially the Apostle Paul's uh, sermon uh, as he has traveled and is on his missionary journey. So uh, I'm going to read to you a sermon, and then I'm going to preach to you a sermon from the sermon. So if you will stand with me just to recognize uh, the public reading of Scripture and honor the Word of the Lord, uh, we are going to read an extended portion uh, today. I debate at times whether we read such long, should we read every verse in the book of Acts as we're going through it? Because there's some sections that are a little longer and some that are a little smaller, but I, I can't get away from the fact that we need to read the whole book uh, together as the Lord leads us. And that, that's not necessarily a direct word from the Lord, but it's just my heart that when we finish this series, we will have known that everyone who's been a part of it has heard every word in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13, verse 13. Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. But John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But going on from Perga, they arrived at Pisidian Antioch, which is different from the Antioch that they left from. This is a different Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. And after reading of the law and the prophets, the synagogue officials sent to them, saying, Brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, and this is essentially his sermon, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during our stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out from it. For a period of about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. When he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land as an inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. After these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. After he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. From the descendants of this man, according to promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, after John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And while John was completing his course, he kept saying, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he, but behold, one is coming after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brethren, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled, fulfilled these by condemning him. And though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. 
When they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children in that he raised up Jesus. As it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to undergo decay. For David, after he had served, the purpose of God in his own generation fell asleep and was among his fathers and underwent decay. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and through him everyone who believes is freed from things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Therefore, take heed so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffers, and marvel, and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days." A work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. As Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Now when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the public reading of Scripture. Lord, we thank you that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. And so we pray both through the reading and the preaching of this passage that our faith would increase, Lord, and that you would be exalted. And we thank you for this time together this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And you may be seated. So again, the Apostle Paul is on a missionary journey uh, here. They had left out, as I said earlier, from a city... Uh, called Antioch, again, uh, different from uh, the one where they are. They, now they went over into Cyprus, which is an island in the Mediterranean Sea. Again, your Bible probably has the maps in the back that show the missionary journey uh, of the Apostle Paul. This is the first missionary journey, and we find him in what is today uh, modern Turkey, uh, John Mark had been traveling with them through Cyprus and to Perga, again, up in what we know as Turkey uh, today, and decided to go back to where they left from in Antioch. No one knows for certain why John Mark may have left, why he may have left the group, but it presented an offense to the Apostle Paul, which we later find out in Acts chapter uh, 15. The Apostle Paul was, uh, had issue with John Mark leaving the group and turning back, going to Antioch. And that presents us really a good thing about uh, the Scriptures as we read over and read through the Bible and what Luke is doing. He's not trying to paint simply a sunny picture of what went on in the early church. He's trying to give us understanding and clarity about what was actually happening. And so you can see within even the book of Acts, as we're seeing this glorious church that is moving forward and sending out missionaries and preaching the gospel and people being changed and transformed, that there were some challenges that came about. 
There were some difficulties. There were some interpersonal issues that had to be worked out. And we saw here in, we see this here with John Mark. We also read later Paul's writings in uh, 2 Timothy and some other places during his imprisonment. He actually later requests that John Mark would come and would minister to him. So there is this kind of healing that comes later on in life. And Luke is later on in the life of the Apostle Paul. And Luke is trying to paint for us a very accurate picture of what the early church looked like as it pushed forward the boundaries of the gospel. We see very clearly, again, the power of God working through humans with a fallen nature. And I think when we look at the early church, we see, again, that this was a very diverse group of people, different backgrounds, different nationalities, different ethnicities, very different in gifting, and yet they are unified in brotherhood. They're unified in mission. Yes, there are some problems and some challenges, but they are prayerful. They are full of the Spirit and they are eager to share the gospel with those who have not heard. And that's where we must be. That has to be our singular focus is to glorify God by sharing the gospel. You and me glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ by sharing the gospel with other people, actively pushing forward the boundaries of the gospel witness. In Acts 13, we see what was being preached by the Apostle Paul, what was being taught, what he expected of those to whom he was preaching. And it helps us to see clearly the message of the gospel and why it was shared, the manner in which it was shared. In Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, we find that one of the primary things the early church did was find themselves continually in the apostles' teaching. They were listening, trying to understand what was it like to be around Jesus. What did Jesus teach? What did Jesus expect? And so those who had been with Jesus were teaching the churches as they went along. The apostles were laying the foundation of the gospel. And as I read through the Apostle Paul's message that we read through this morning, there are a few things that I think, there are many things. Please know that any passage that we pull out of uh, the book of Acts or any other book of Scripture, we could probably spend years just dissecting that one verse. So what a, a, a pastor or a preacher has to do is read the text as it is and think, what is God speaking to this people today? And so the few things that I think God is speaking to us today out of the many things that we could think about in this passage, and one of those is that the gospel shows God's faithfulness. While the gospel gives us solutions to problems that we might face, it is primarily about God's faithfulness. The gospel shows us that the scripture will see its fulfillment. God's work in the earth has often been told beforehand 
through the scriptures. And God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. Maybe you need to hear that again this morning. God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. Amen. Amen. Finally, the gospel shows us Jesus' power. Jesus has the power to reconcile you to God for eternity. First, the gospel shows us God's faithfulness. Paul preaches, he begins the message, and he begins with kind of this history or this testimony of his uh, understanding of how God has worked in Israel. God has been faithful in the past, and therefore God will be faithful in the future. God was faithful, Paul says, in choosing Israel, in delivering Israel out of Egypt, in pursuing Israel, even in the midst of their rebellion. And what this teaches us, and what Paul is teaching us through the preaching of this passage, is that God is faithful even when we are not Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1.15 that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. We have to be comfortable both in the church and outside of the church to be around people who may not be all churched up like we are. People who may act different, talk different, smell different, walk different, do things that are different in order that we can advance the gospel to people who haven't heard to people who haven't been obedient. We should never be ashamed to sit next to someone who's not like us, someone who doesn't have it all together. We should never be ashamed to go into difficult and challenging places and share the message of hope because Jesus Christ came to save sinners and such were some of us, right? Except I should rephrase that, such was all of us. You know, time in the church, and particularly for some of us who grew up in the church, we think, uh, I didn't get into this, I didn't get into that, I didn't get involved in this, I didn't get, you know, I'm a pretty decent person. And I think about, I, I remember In a Methodist church, Palm Sunday of 1981, I went up to the altar and committed my heart to the Lord. And I was a young boy at that point. And sometimes it's easy to think, I didn't get caught up in a lot of things that other people got caught up in. And then the other day I was thinking, and I know this is being streamed, so I have to be careful. Some of my family's listening to it. But I think of the family background I came out of. And I could share some stories with you that you find rather interesting. And I think in that, that is a testimony to the grace of God. A testimony to God's mercy and kindness. It doesn't mean that I didn't get messed up and get off track and do things that I ought not have done because I very much did. But what it also means is that I see what it could have been. God gave me a picture. And some of us who may have grown up in the church may need to take a kind of a a, a peripheral view of what we came out of. 
and humble ourselves a little bit to know that but for the grace of God, I would be exactly where someone else is who doesn't look like me, talk like me, smell like me, have all the good Christian words that I have. But for God's faithfulness, God pursues us. He pursued me. Run. He will pursue you. Fall and he will pick you up. Stumble and he will steady you. And we can say, like in the case of Peter, reject him. And when you return, he will still accept you. The gospel shows us that God is always faithful. He has given us the scriptures to show us that every single promise he is faithful to fulfill. He is faithful. We serve a faithful God. And the glory and the beauty of being in the kingdom is that in our day, he has given us a book and most of us here are able to read the book. And as we read the book, we understand the promises that apply to us. And we've seen God's faithfulness in the past, which is what, why we must never forget our testimony. Every one of us have a testimony. Every one of us has seen God work in our past, and we must have a testimony and be able to share that word when we're called upon, when we're prompted to share of what Jesus Christ has done in us. And what we see the work of God is that when God makes a promise in his scripture, he is faithful to fulfill it. The Apostle Paul, he preaches about the old promises that God faithfully fulfilled. God made promises to give Abraham a son that would be a blessing to the nations. He made a promise to give Israel that land that was promised to them. He made a promise to bring a Messiah who would deliver his people. He made a promise to send the Holy Spirit to empower the church. God isn't in just the habit of making promises, but God is in the habit of fulfilling his promise. He gave Abraham a son named Isaac. He gave Israel the promised land. He did bring Jesus as Messiah and deliverer. He did send the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. There are many, many promises in the word of God that have been fulfilled. And there are many promises that you and I can stand upon that have yet to be realized in our life. We stand firmly and confidently that when God makes a promise, he will fulfill it. We can't bring God down into this existence of personal interaction where someone makes a promise and breaks a promise, and the next time they promise, you think, are they really going to keep it? I promise I'll do this for you. And we both walk away and think, oh, that's probably not really going to happen. And so we move on, realizing that promise is not going to be fulfilled. We are in the context of a country where politicians will pound upon their bully pulpit and say, I promise this and I promise that. Not one of us expects it to happen when they get in office. Because they've broken promises before. God has never broken a promise. 
Every word that he has spoken, the scripture says, is yes and amen. Everything that he has said he was going to do in times past, God has accomplished. Everything he says he is going to do in these last days and how the summation of the world will take place, God will be faithful to fulfill his promise. The gospel shows us that the scriptures have been fulfilled. This is why you and I must know the word of God because it shares with us the promise of God. It gives us hope in the midst of deep challenges of life. The word of God is a common means of grace for each one of us. We can pick up the word and read it and apply it in our life. You should have a daily discipline of being in the word of God. I'm not going to make it legalistic and say God's going to reject you if you don't. But what I will tell you, if you're not investing in the word of God to understand and apply his promises in your life, this world will overwhelm you. I got a call last night, was on the phone a long time, and when I got off, I was upset and upset enough that I couldn't sleep. There wasn't anyone in here. <laughs> wasn't anything y'all know about. <laughs> I got to clarify all that. <laughs> Well, I was just frustrated. And it was late at night, and I, number one, I was thinking, why do these calls come on Saturday night? <laughs> why was I laying in my bed at 9.30 and the, took the phone call, and I'm up at midnight now? <laughs> I'm just trying to be open and real life with you. I can cover it up and not say I have those problems, but I have those problems. <laughs> But if I didn't have the word of God to steady my faith, my faith in uncertain times when the calls come and you get a little frustrated and you think, is this really of eternal significance? Is what I'm frustrated about going to outlast this world? Is it going to be a treasure in heaven? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? I would venture to say a lot of those times of frustration, probably in all of our lives, we have to think, is it worth it? We must know the word of God. This is where our hope comes from. Not in the hope of man's promises, but in the hope of God's promises, what God says. Because God will fulfill his promises. The word of God helps us to stand firm in the day of trouble. Psalm 119, starting at verse 9. I want you to listen for the emphasis on God's word or his uh, commands or just the words that are used, the various words that are used in Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, that focus us in towards God's promises and his commandments. How can a young man cleanse his way? So young men... Young men, I'm in that group. If, 
If you want to walk faithfully before the Lord, you're going to get advice from Scripture right now. So maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you're wrestling with something. Maybe there's something going on in your life you don't know how to manage. So I think this would apply not to just to young men, but to older men, not just to uh, young men and older men, but to younger ladies and older ladies as well. So how can we cleanse our way? I think that would be an appropriate reading. By taking heed according to your word. You want to get out of habits, get out of thoughts, get away from certain things. How do you do it? He's going to give you the answer. By taking heed according to your word, to God's word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commands. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. How do you find your way in the day of trouble? How can you find your way? How can I find my way in the day of trouble if I do not understand or have a comprehension of God's word, God's commandments, God's words again, God's statutes, the judgments of God's mouth, God's testimonies, God's precepts, God's ways, God's statutes, God's word. How can I have an understanding if I don't have an understanding of this? I have to hide this word in our heart because God is faithful to fulfill the promises of his word. And finally, uh, the gospel shows us Jesus's power at work. As Paul preached the gospel on the mission field, he was very clear to articulate Jesus's power in all things. You see, the gospel is not simply an intellectual understanding of what God has done. It is that, and we ought to use our mind as we come to Scripture. And it is not simply a change of heart toward God on our part, our emotions, our affections, although it is that as well. But the gospel, by its very nature, is the power of God. God. Jesus had the power to persevere, Paul says. He had the power to overcome death. Jesus had the power to offer forgiveness of sins. And Jesus had the power to bring freedom from bondage. Everyone is all worked up right now about a hurricane in the Gulf Coast. But the power that that massive storm represents is not even worthy to be compared to the power of God at work in us to deliver us from our sins and our transgressions. One of the passages of scripture that I, I cherish so much is in Colossians 1 and 13 through 20. The apostle Paul 
writing to the Colossian church. He says, Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and him in, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may come to have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, the power of the gospel through the Lord Jesus Christ to die upon the cross, to shed his blood in order to appease the wrath of God and then to raise from the dead again the power in the Lord Jesus Christ is that power that we hope in and that is the power of the gospel. Do you understand what God has offered to you today? Eternal reconciliation with the Creator. Yes, it ought to cause us to rejoice. It ought to cause us to praise. It ought to cause us to lift our hands. It ought to cause us to dance. It ought to cause us to run. It ought to cause us to rejoice because God has saw us in our sin and in our iniquity and he has delivered us through the power of the gospel. Where do you find yourself today? Are you in the midst of life's trials? Find yourself in that Psalm 23 place of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe not physical death is upon you, but maybe you're walking through one of the darkest trials. Maybe you're like the Israelites and you're wondering, when does deliverance come? God, I can't take much more. How long is this going to be? You're struggling with past sins. Maybe you're in the midst of bondage. Maybe you're wrestling with uh, interactions with other people in your life. You see, you hear the gospel and the gospel's preached and we can all walk away and say, yep, that's the gospel. But the gospel demands a response. When we hear it, when we read it, when we think about it, we must be a people that come to both the preaching of the word, the reading of the word, the teaching of the word, to realize this isn't just like reading the newspaper. This isn't just like reading the next best book that's come out. This is the power of God for you and me to transform us from one level of glory into another level of glory. This is why we engage in these exercises of praying and reading and preaching and teaching because it moves us, if we're serious about it, from one level of glory to the next level of glory. I want to get to the next level of glory. Yes, 
You know, when we were praying last week, that's when I began thinking about God. Help us to engage and be intercessors. Let us kind of let go of kind of how we see church always being. Is this all it's going to be like this all the time? Is this what it is? I'll participate in it. I'll be in it. But God, I feel like I sense you're calling us to one level of glory, to another level of glory. And are we willing to let go of some things that we think are absolutely necessary in the process? Our little ticks and thoughts, songs have to be sung this way, message needs to be preached this way, this needs, are we willing to let go? Would we not walk out if one Sunday we started with the message and did the singing afterwards? Are we willing to say, God, what are you calling us to do? One of the things I've learned through the journey over the last year and a half, and God has had to teach it to me again, is that we should do nothing without engaging in clear, focused prayer. You know, we've done that. We have done that. But God's calling us to another level, calling us to more engagement. And all of us have a part to play. So if you'll stand with me, We've had a time of prayer this morning. I'd like to call us to a time of commitment and prayer again. If you're struggling, you need help. You know, we all get there. I would have come forward last night at midnight if someone gave an altar call. That's part of the way that we become a community is we bear one another's burdens. And who knows that today as someone's praying for you, something may shift in the supernatural realm and something may change. And if it doesn't, we keep praying. You know, when we pray for people who need healing, and I'm so happy we did that, we pray, I pray, the way I intercede and the way I pray is for God's immediate supernatural healing. I believe it. I know it's happened. I've heard the testimony of it happening. I've talked to people who it's happened to. I believe in God's immediate supernatural healing. But I also know if I walk away and that person is still not healed, I'm going to keep interceding as if God will heal them immediately. And maybe God will heal them immediately on this earth, and maybe God will immediately heal them when they're translated into heaven. I'm not sure. That is God's sovereign work that we must trust him for. But what I do know is in the book of Acts, people prayed and things happened. And it was a desperate people. A hostile world and a desperate people. We're in a hostile world, but are we a desperate people right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your mercy and grace in our life, Lord. We get to these moments of service and we want to recognize that your presence has been with us. And this is an opportunity for a a commitment on our part. A commitment to say, the Spirit, through the preaching of the Word, God, you ordained the preaching of the Word, so we're being obedient. And it's not the messenger I'm sensing through the Spirit that the message itself, Holy Spirit, you're ministering to my heart in a way which is unique. 
And I need to stand and make a commitment in response to what the Spirit is doing, in response to the reading and preaching of the Word. That's what these moments are for. So I believe the gospel has been read. The gospel has been preached this morning. And so if you've heard it, you must decide to do something with it. You must decide to move from from what the scripture calls one level of glory to the next level of glory. What is your commitment this morning? Some of you may want to find a place of prayer and ask the Spirit to confirm to you or to reveal to you what He is asking you to do. Some of you may immediately know and you must give a firm resolution right now. A commitment to the Lord to walk it out faithfully before Him. So Lord, we thank You. We're grateful for Your presence. And Lord, we just want to take a few moments and intercede and continue to welcome your Holy Spirit here to move and direct according to your will and plan. We ask you, Lord, in these next few moments to do a work for your glory. We exalt you, we love you, we honor you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, do the work which only you can do. In your name we pray. Continue to seek the Lord in these next few moments as they lead us in worship. And Brother Chris will close us in prayer in just a few moments. Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of His promises and plans for your life.